Hey everyone, Rusty here again with the ByteCast Weekly. This is episode number two, all about upgrades. Uh, Clyde and I discuss whether you're upgrading a small business with a new server, or new PCs for the office, or even a large-scale enterprise upgrade, and what kind of planning and steps that you should be following to make sure your upgrade goes smooth. We ran out of time, uh, but we have future plans of a review segment, so look forward to that, where we found some devices and online services that we think everyone out there will really enjoy, uh, or at least find a good value in. So make sure to check out the blog at thebytecast.wordpress.com, where we post up all of the audio and resources that we may talk about or want to share with you guys. You can subscribe to our feed in iTunes, just search for The ByteCast, or throw our feed address in your favorite podcasting feeder on your phone or tablet by using thebytecast.wordpress.com forward slash feed. One last thing, we will be having an upcoming and hopefully reoccurring guest podcast segment uh, where we'll have on some of the area's tech professionals and talk to them about what they do and why they like to do it. Uh, But that's enough out of me though, so let's crack on. I don't think I'm ready, or I don't think I have the ball. My 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 old balls okay. are not ready enough or to right now to do the lead in. And you have oh, you have the prettier well, voice, you. so it makes me think of bluebirds <laughs> or some bullshit. All right, uh, hello and welcome everybody to the Bitecast Weekly uh, episode number two. Um, for all your returning listeners, we thank you. Uh, for all you new listeners, we thank you too. Uh, we hope you enjoy what you're going to hear today. Uh, Last week, if you listened to the episode one that we posted up, we covered a wide variety of topics. Um, we kind of thought maybe too many, uh, but we hit a lot of great topics that we really want to go a lot more in-depth on here. Um, we talked about upgrades last week and really thought that we could give a, a full episode here on like upgrade strategies and proper procedures um, and different things that you need to identify before you just jump on into an upgrade. Uh Clyde, I know, like you said, a lot of people think an upgrade's just, hey, this is an EXE, let's double-click it, hit next three times, and finish, and our upgrade's done. Uh, And in the business world, that's just not the case. Right. So, I guess starting with the upgrades, uh, you know, the first thing you really got to look at is your infrastructure. Uh, Clyde, I I know when you worked for uh, your agency back here in North Dakota, you dealt a lot more with infrastructure and infrastructure problems. Um, than I had to. Granted, I fell victim to the same problems, um, but a lot of the systems that we ran at work (laughs) were based on your guys' infrastructure, Uh, and you guys were in charge of handling those upgrades and making sure that the end users like us didn't have downtime. You know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Why don't you talk a little bit about your guys' infrastructure and how you guys handled the upgrades and started your process? You were talking about the old place I used to work at, Correct. Okay, um, well, for anyone that doesn't know, I'm a PeopleSoft administrator. Um, PeopleSoft is an application from Oracle. Um, it's a specialized application, and in the certain business segments, you know, it's an ERP application, and ERP means emergency resource planning. 
Um, so what I'm getting at with that is that it's uh, you're not so much of the you're not so much the you know guy that handles everything. You're not going to be handling the network and the databases and the desktop clients and whatever that may all be. Um, so from a PeopleSoft perspective, you are either going to be in my field, there there are a couple different ways of looking at it, but you have either your upgrade specialist or mostly just PeopleSoft developers, the people that actually do the coding, and then you have the PeopleSoft uh, administrators. And the PeopleSoft administrators are the ones that uh, handle the servers, the, the databases, and the upgrades themselves. So you can start branching out there. Um, from a higher tier, though, you have to think about the fact that, for me at least, um, your client, doesn't matter even what client they're on anymore, they, as long as they're going through tier 4 architecture, which is something I don't want to get into right now, but they, as long as they have a browser, they can go to your website or go to the website that the business has, log in, and from there they're hitting, they're going from web server to an application server, and that application server is just hitting on a database. So, gosh, Rusty, you know, <laughs> you and I know, you and I know this, and we're like, and and I'm going to going to defer to you because it's, I'm even back to the point of where even do you all start? And I'm trying to think about this, and I've done this before. So, and you have too, and you know this, and even even just trying to talk about it, there's so many different aspects of it. Oh, there? absolutely. I mean, and like you said, you know, the first object is always you got to see what your end goal is going to be. Uh, you got to identify what it is you're trying to get to. Um, and in most mm-hmm. processes, this means, you know, lack of a better term, baby steps. Um, mm-hmm. You may want to go from something as simple as a, you know, let's go back to Windows 98 environment and had to go up to XP. And that wasn't a terribly horrible thing because it was kind of the same. Uh, infrastructure, if you will, uh, but then you got to jump from say XP to Windows 8, because most agencies and business offices out there are still running Windows XP, and you can't just jump to Windows 8 because you feel well, our equipment's too old. We're just going to go out and buy new machines, and that's our upgrade, and we'll be done. Um, right. Same thing, enterprise scale. Uh, you know, if you're running a SQL database and you're running SQL 2003, uh, your schema could very well change going up to server 2012. Um, the indexing's different. Uh, you know, the table structures work differently. There's more features now. They've taken out some old features. Um, so you can't just make that jump. You can't just install SQL 2012 over top of 2003 and expect that everything's going to work all nice and pretty when it comes back up. Uh, you got to plan. you got to put it down on paper. you got to go from, you know... 2003 or SQL 2005, excuse me, up to 2008, and then make your adjustments there, and then patch 8 as far as it'll go, and then move from that last, you know, version patch 8 up to 2012, you know, and patch it out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, we're, oh, um, go ahead. you know, so like, like I said, that's, that's a good enterprise example, because people deal with that, businesses, large businesses deal with that on a day-to-day. Smaller companies... Uh, like the, a lot of the ones that my business does work for. Um, like I said, it's something as simple as just upgrading desktop hardware in the office. But if they're running an old you know, application that they've had since 1999, you can't just jump them to Windows 8. It's probably not going to work. Um, <laughs> you're going to have to find 
you know, upgrades, patches to that software, a newer version of that software. Within that software, you might not just be able to install the old version over the new version. You know, mm-hmm. you might have to patch up and then, you know, back up your files, then install the new one, re-import, convert some things, and do all that on the XP platform before you can even move to Windows 8 or Windows 7 or whatever have you. Um, mm-hmm. So step one is always going to be put it on paper, identify what the end goal is, you know, and then logically think through your steps here about how do I got to get there and how much do I have to do to get it there. Um, I can't save the backup off a Windows XP machine and then go to my new Windows 8 machine, install the brand new piece of software that I got from the vendor, and then just load the import back in and expect it to be like, yep, okay, we're back up and operational, and that was five minutes of downtime. You know, it's just not the case. So I know when you guys did PeopleSoft upgrades, you know, it's a process, and you guys had standard operating procedures on paper. Uh, (laughs) Whether some people followed those or not (laughs) is another story. Um, You know, networking is another big one. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Especially enterprise. In a small office, it's not such a big problem because you've maybe got, you know, a 10-port switch that runs a line to every office in the building, and that's it. Switch goes out, you buy a new switch, you put it in, you have internet. Uh, In a large enterprise environment, you've got core routers that feed several child routers that feed fiber lines across the city, across the state, to other core routers. You take down one of those core routers... And everything after that just falls to pieces. And it's not just, hey, let's just plug in the new core router and it's going to work. There's so much configuring that needs to be done. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. to make it match the last one. uh, To make sure that everything's going to talk and communicate. You know, some of the older equipment, the outlining area stuff. You know, this one agency in this town. Maybe we need to upgrade their router first. And then upgrade the next one. And then the next one. And then once the rest of the infrastructure of your company is up to date, then you replace the core, because you know the core is going to work with everything that you've been slowly replacing. <laughs> you want to make sure that's planned correctly, too, so that you don't end up with uh, outages for a few weeks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> been through that a time or two. We, and glad you were still there when when we had a such an outage uh, where a core piece of equipment was replaced with no real forethought into how that was going to affect everybody. Uh, and a lot of agencies were without network connectivity and state resources for a very long time. Right. And it's not just that. It's just not on that level, you know. That happens everywhere. Absolutely. And and that's why we're doing this podcast, because you get to the point and you you get to it four days later when you're wondering why things still aren't up and you're going... Okay, how did this happen, and how was this planned, and who led this project? And you know, you as a systems administrator don't have the authority, and nor should you be asking those questions, apparently. But you find that out as you never get an answer. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but yeah, you've got your plan down on paper. You, you and that's all that is, though. It's a plan. It's a theoretical plan. You think that this might be the proper way. You're obviously going to hit snags. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to look for a piece of hardware, and ooh, the vendor doesn't make that anymore. Uh, so now, do we have to go to another company, you know, or hope that somebody has a refurbished piece of equipment? 
if you go to a new company and now you're trying to integrate, you know, Cisco switches with Juniper switches with extreme switches, are they all going to talk together? Are they all going to work right? You know, these are things that you really got to go out and research before you decide to do these kinds of things. Um, you know, Windows Server moving from, you know, 2003 up to 2008 up to 2012, you know, SQL, um, like PeopleSoft, you know, that that's a lot of accounting data and human resource data and payroll. Mm-hmm. And if that fails and goes down, you're going to have a lot of angry people in your business because they're not getting a paycheck right. now. <laughs> so once you get your theoretical plan down on paper, then it's time to start, you know, calling vendors if, if you want to go that route, uh, researching online, um, you know, forums are a great place to hit on the internet. You know, I, Google makes it so simple now to go type in upgrading from server 2003 to server 2008. You know, what should I expect? And you're going to find a whole list of forums of people that said, you know what, this broke for us when we did that. We should have done this and this first. Or we forgot to make a backup of this thing, and we should have done that before upgrading because server 2008 broke that on us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, obviously here I'm using Microsoft as a lot of examples, but this goes across the board for any anything you're looking to upgrade. Uh, you know, whether it's a desktop, a laptop, um, a server OS, you know, it could be Linux, it could be, you know, a Mac infrastructure. It's all the same process. Um, so now you've got your plan down on paper, you got to start looking at downtime. You know, what's this going to cost you? You know, are we going to be down for an hour, four hours, a whole day? How many people are relying on this? You know, when should we do it? 2 a.m. on a Saturday is a great time because nobody's awake. That's ideal, but, you know, some companies then you get into paying overtime. And they don't want to do that. And they want you to do it during business hours, 8 to 5. Well, you start taking stuff down business hours, you start taking people away from their work. And if that work is what makes your company money, you're losing money at that point. So, um, let's go and, and just say, so let's start something with small and simple. Um, just a small business. Okay, if you're a small business owner and you're out of date, you're running Windows XP still, you're running four or five you know, custom applications, uh, because you're a custom company. You know, if you're an accounting company, you've got custom accounting software. If you're a financial company, use custom financial software that most businesses might not use. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I had a customer a couple weeks ago. They had, uh, like, one of their accounting ladies, uh, her computer died. Um, without consulting anybody, really, uh, they went out and just bought from like say Best Buy or Staples or something, just a new machine. And came in, called me and said, we bought a new machine, we need it set up, you need to come turn this on. So went, plugged it in, turned it on, it's Windows 8. <laughs> so they said, well, here's all the disks of all the software that we have in the company. And, <laughs> and how did that go, Rusty? Not good at all. That's, that's where I want to interject, because when you say all the disks, I'm wondering what those were. <laughs> well, right, I, I mean... it. Some of them 
were upgrade discs that were sent in the mail from the company because they paid a maintenance contract. He couldn't even install the full version of the software because it was just all patches on the disc. So <laughs> here I am with a new blank machine in front of me. No software to install on it. The one disc that I did have with software on it, you put the disc in and try to run it, and it immediately said it was not compatible with Windows 8. And you and I probably both knew that right away. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, this simple, what they thought was going to be, uh, we're going to pay this guy a half hour to swing in and install the software for us, mm-hmm. turned into a three hours in the afternoon and eight hours on a Saturday to get a hold of all the vendors, get new software, make sure that they're on maintenance contracts. And if they weren't, they had to buy new software. You know, so now they're putting more money into it than they originally thought, all because they thought it was just as easy as, well, we're just going to put a new machine in and it's going to work. This was just last weekend? Uh, it was about two weeks ago. Really? Two or three I weeks ago. I heard the story. Yeah. I will have to talk to you afterwards because <laughs> now I'm interested. Yeah, It's a funny story. <laughs> They always are. That's why we're doing this, though. Right. But, I mean, it it costs them a lot more money in the long run. And, yeah, they would have had to buy the new software anyways. So you look at some of those costs and think, well, they're fixed. You know, Mm -hmm. they were going to have to buy that. They didn't have to pay me 12 hours in labor. You know, with the right amount of planning, they could have probably got by with paying me four hours. Right. You know, so that cost them a lot more money than what they anticipated. And they're not happy about it then. You know? Well, right, and I was just going to say that, if I could interject for a second, that you had to sit and explain to them how it all worked and why this wasn't working the way that they thought it would. And nothing against them, but it's something, you know, no one wants to do that. No one, it's like taking your car in. All of a sudden, you know, something's, a light's on, and all of a sudden finding out you need to put a new engine in. <laughs> right. If you don't do regular maintenance, folks, things break. <laughs> right. <laughs> so now, um, Clyde... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you step in here a little bit. Uh, I, I gave a good example, I think, of like the small business owner and, right. and what kind of money they dug themselves into with that. Right. Um, and I know you talked a little bit of, you know, on your PeopleSoft stuff. And when you guys had to plan for downtimes and outages, you know, when did they want you to do that? And you guys had SOPs. You know, what were your SOPs like? Well, our SOPs are written as we went ahead and did them. I mean, when we started, no one ever sat us down and said, these are our our SOPs, you know. (laughs) I guess they were out there. I bet you wish you kind of would (laughs) have, or somebody had before you, you know. You wish, but it also got to the point where the SOPs were made up on the fly. And so it's, it's good and bad, mostly bad, but, you know, I've always said that this, our field is... Okay, it's technical. It's also an art form, too, to know when to go behind enemy lines and go commando the fix an issue and when not to. So that's neither here nor there, but I'm just saying that those SOPs were probably ethereal. Um, you know, contrasted with other places I've worked at or, you know, the place at Arizona that I worked in. Yeah, those SOPs were followed very rigorous, rigorously and. I was there for a few people that were let go because they constantly would run like the exchange uh, best practices analyzer because that brings down the exchange instance, you know, and they would do that during business hours. And we would also have to file a change management uh, outage when we worked there. Um, The last place I worked at didn't do that. And generally what we would do is, well, let me back up here. Let me give you a little bit more 
background on up on PeopleSoft upgrades, if that's okay with you, yeah. Rusty. But we run People Tools, and the latest version at this point, though, what I'm aware of, is 8.53. And we would stay current for the fact of so much would change between them, and you would have so many issues that you 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 know with one upgrade that you did not want to switch or, or jump um, issue or jump instances. And, and a People Tools upgrade would only be released once a year. You know, you, you're skipping two years, and if someone leaves or someone gets hurt, and they're bringing in someone else and they have to learn that knowledge new it's kind of a pain so our best practices as a group i know was just to hey we're at we, we got up to people tools 8.50 next year comes out with 8.51 we're upgrading to that the year after that we're upgrading to 8.52 and then so on and so forth um contrast that where the current position that i have and we're on people tools 8.51 and 8.50, which doesn't mean anything to the people that are listening. But the important thing to take away from this is people tools, we on the back end, we run Microsoft SQL Server, the last position and this position. Um, that's a database engine from Microsoft. People tools will also work with the database engine from Informix and Oracle, and I think there's one or two others. But. Um, People Tools 8.50 and 5.1 will only work with SQL Server 2005. So, and this is part of the reason why I'm here now because, you know, I, I don't know when they got the software, two or three years ago, but they, it's one of these things that they got and they couldn't get the position filled full, filled right away. And, you know, time went by. So now SQL Server 2005 is, is it, do you know if it's retired? Probably not yet, but it's probably on the chop. no. Yeah, I, I believe the sunset is, I think, 2015, they're looking. Okay, but that's still uh, two years away. Right. Right. And, well, probably not even that. I don't know when it is. But we have to upgrade now because you have to think, okay, they're on SQL Server 2005, on Server 2008, and Server 2012 just came out last year. SQL Server just came out, 2012 just came out last year. And before we can make any of those jumps, I have to do perform people tools upgrade. And yeah, that has to be charted. I mean, I have to. Right now, the plan is we're going to upgrade, move the instance or move the databases. And once the upgrade is done, granted, it shouldn't take that long because it's just a people tools upgrade and we're not applying any bundles or changing anything to the application. But we have to retest with everything. And once that's all completed, we have to move the databases to SQL Server 2008 and then make sure that they work again. And. At the end of that, we want to get to SQL Server 2012. So, you know, something that you would think, because the database team wants to uh, retire the SQL Server 2005 instances, and they think that we can just move it from one to the other, and it doesn't work that way. It's We're looking at other resources. So that's how they work on, you know, on a, at the enterprise level for an ERP app. Um, on the opposite side of the coin, I said, you know, people tools, those certain versions only work with SQL Server 2005. People tools 8.53 does not work with uh, SQL Server 2005, or it's not supported. Probably would work fine, but you still don't want to get into that boat where you're not supported with an issue. So we have to upgrade one way or the other. And so f from where I start, that's what we're doing. 
that's where that's where it starts for us is what our goal is and that's what our goal is right now but to answer your question about our standard sops and where we would start and how that would all work um i told you about the sops and that you know depended on the admin and depended depended on on uh, the group and depended on how people would reason um but we would start ours with a people tools upgrade it would generally be five o'clock on a friday night and it would probably or it would usually go through depending on which environments either till saturday or sunday depending on how much work you had to do um i had a few where it was switching over sql server instances and just somewhere it was just upgrading people tools um so that's that's how ours went and how our our sops were okay um I think what I'd like to do here is maybe give, uh, for some of the maybe smaller businesses out there, um, a prime example here, Clyde. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and I actually have an upgrade coming up for a customer here. Um, the first thing, like I said, is you know put the plan on paper. What's the goal? Identify what you want to achieve mm-hmm. and what the business needs to achieve. Um, the business needs of this customer, you know, they're running an old desktop PC is acting as the central server, mm-hmm. which is a common practice in lots of small businesses um, because large servers cost thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. A desktop that works in a work group share setting does not, right. you know, maybe $500, $600 anymore. Um but so they, they just create, you know, Windows shares on this old Windows XP desktop uh, that's been running for the last, you know, eight years. And it's starting to die. Right. And they kind of think, well, maybe we should look at upgrading this. And, you know, they came to me and, you know, they said, what do we got to do here? So you got to sit down with them and look at what do you, what's the end result that we need. We need new hardware. We're probably going to be replacing the desktop PCs as well, Mm -hmm. which means that we're moving OS versions. So now we're back to, okay, got to call, you know, the software vendors of all the software they use, find new versions of that, you know, see what will work, maybe what we can get without having to pay for, you know, as a version upgrade. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe we don't want to jump them too far ahead in their software because, hey, this new piece of software looks completely different and has all these new tools. They've been using the old version for 10 years, and now it doesn't look familiar at all, and they have to relearn it. Mm-hmm. And that's going to take time, and there's going to be errors involved and stuff. So uh, we laid out this plan uh, to say, you know, okay, first things first, um, let's find out where everything points in the office, Okay these five pieces of software in these different offices all point to this share. These two uh, point to here. And in one case, um, there's one person using a piece of software, the only one in the office that uses it, and it points at somebody else's PC in the office, not even the central server. (laughs) Okay? So, you know, get all that written out um, so you know what we have to back up first Mm -hmm. to make sure we have all that. In case something fails, you know, we got to leave the old hardware there. Uh, because if something fails, we need something to roll back into. Right. You know, so um, we've identified what we're trying to achieve now. Uh, you know, we want to get a, a new workstation or server in there for them. 
um, to house everything. You know, probably going to put like a RAID 1 in there, so they got a secondary hard drive in case something fails. Going to have a backup service, you know, like an online cloud service running to make sure that that's backing up to there as well. Uh, you can never have too many backups. Um, we've called the software companies. I know what versions we have to go to and what will work. Uh, for right now, the existing desktops uh, will stay with the Windows XP, and we're just going to focus on the server. Uh, because right now, they can afford the server and still be able to work just fine with what they have existing outside mm -hmm. of that. And that, and that uh, itself so, will probably be a huge upgrade for them at the time. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, you know, as long as we can upgrade one piece and not have to upgrade the rest, that really breaks it mm -hmm. up, too. Uh, and, and helps. Because, you know, now it's not a whole day. You know, they're coming in on Saturday when they're closed because... I can't take them down during working business hours. They're busy. You know, they're on the phone with customers. Um, they're doing important stuff that's making them money. And if I'm in there in the middle of the afternoon, kick them out of their chair because I need to sit down at their computer and, you know, change their file paths to their where their database is stored. And, you know, now they're on the phone with a customer saying, oh, i got to call you back now because the IT guy is here. He's kicking me off my computer, you know, and I don't want to put them in that situation. Right. So... Uh, luckily enough, you know, it looks like it's going to work out where we can just get the server in place um, and everything's kind of flat files for them still. Um, they're not running any SQL instances, so now I don't have to worry about upgrading those pieces. Uh, the flat files will just come over with the backup to the, to the new server. Um, and I'm just going to leave both of them online and running side by side uh, for probably at least a week. Mm -hmm. um, you know, give them a chance to use all their existing software on a normal day-to-day -day operation for a week like they always do, and then come back to me and say, you know, hey, this used to work this way and it doesn't anymore. You know, and we absolutely need this. This is very important. Well, at least now I can switch them back over to the old machine if I have to, um, you know, to, to keep them running like they want to be. Um, I know, Clyde, uh, we talk about hot switchover versus cold switchovers. Uh, you know... Each customer is differently. You have to look about how you're doing the upgrade. Um, I am a fan of doing this when nobody is there. <laughs> you know, so there's not that pressure of, I just took something down and they were in the middle of working on something and they just lost everything they've been working right. on. Uh, because that's a pain in the ass. And it it, it makes me mad because people at well, where I work full-time... They do that all the time. <laughs> you know, the network goes down all the time and during the middle of the day, and it shouldn't. And <laughs> if you're in the middle of doing something across the web and you lose that, it's very it's frustrating. Cloud. And it makes you... Right, yeah, <laughs> put it to the cloud. The cloud saves everything. <laughs> oh, you mean the internet, Clyde? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not a very elaborate plan because they're a small business, but it's still a plan on paper. You know, we've double, triple checked our sources, our software vendors, you know, our, our files, our backups to make sure everything's ready to come over. We've got a schedule down. You know, we've got this planned for a Saturday morning. It should only take me maybe three hours tops to go in there, move the backups over to the new system, bring it online, you know, get all my shares mapped out on all the office computers change the database paths, 
you know, in all their little pieces of software and open them up and make sure it's pulling data and working right, and I'm out okay. of there. Um, from a business perspective, yeah, I make more money if I'm there longer, but that's not the goal. That's not why I'm right. in the game. Um, I'm there to serve them, and I want them, you know, to be able to walk away from that going, he did a really good job for us and saved us a lot of money, and there's no way we could have done that right. ourselves. So, well, so let me ask but, you this: when I when I'm saying a hot switch over, and that's probably not these terms are probably already out there already. Um, like I told you, I told you how I was working on this the other night, but that's that. My idea of that is you're you're throwing in a new server, and you have the other server there hooked up on the network, versus you back everything up, shut the old server down, and then hook the new server up. And then plug that, you know, plug it. Let's say you have an external drive. How do you like to do it? Do you do you like both servers running at the same time? You just copy information from one to the other. Um, you know, it really depends on the scheduling and when okay. you can do it. I mean, that's a that's a big piece of it. If I can do it when nobody's there in the office, you know, I prefer to shut everybody else's machine down so I know they're not connecting and have files open that's on the server. Um, make you know, get everything backed up off that server. And then just kind of push it to the side. Maybe pull the network connection. Um, you know, shut it down if, if you if you want to go that mm-hmm. far with it. Um, and then restore all the files on the new machine. Get everything sorted properly. Get all your paths written down so when you go around to all these machines, you know where you got to start pointing new things to. Um, but like I said, I'll leave the old one right. there. Uh, it may be turned on on the network, Uh you know, mostly too from from a remote perspective. If they call me and go, you know, what, we're missing these, you know, group of ten files. They were in this folder somewhere. Uh, it's very possible we missed that in the backup, and then it's easy for me to just remote in and then move them over to the new server and say, "Okay, check right. your share now." And then, oh, yep, the files are there. We're good. So, yeah, I don't like taking everything offline if I don't have to. Um, if you have to replace something one for one, like a network switch, uh, or you're bringing up a server that's the same name as the old one. Obviously, you can't leave them both on the network at the same time because right. they're going to conflict. And then they're not working anyways. Uh, but absolutely. Uh, so ideally, you know, I like to leave the old equipment online in case I have to switch back over to it or in case we missed something in the backups, uh, you know, the transition of the files and everything. But um, I mean, right. that's how I like to No, work. no. I, it's just I the easiest you. that and way. And one of the things, I like a hot back, I like a hot switch over having it online for that reason and then yeah you leave it online for a few weeks and then you go back to the customer and you say all right i think that we got everything and you shut it off and you see if they come back to you in another few weeks it's not disconnected but it's offline or maybe you just want to unhook it from the network just in case something an old program is referencing back to that server and right i I agree with you to a point i'd still like to do it you know, I like to do. I like to start at least start on a Friday because generally the customer, you know, custom, smaller customers at least, usually they want to get out of there on a Friday. At least a lot of them that I know, and you'll find, uh, you know, one of your new customers is like that too because they like to start on a Friday or like to do it on a Friday, and they uh, they have other paperwork they mm-hmm. can do where they'll have a customer that can come on in where they know they won't need to need the computer for a while, and they're fun, You know, they have the great they have the right attitude though. They've been through it enough times, and they know. They know that they can't rely on it, but if they go check on it and something what they need is there, they'll they're fine. But I guess the reason why I like to do that and start on a Friday is because and this has happened to me more often than once, but one of those things in those in that step of that some of software that needed to be backed up or switched over, 
got missed and it doesn't get talked about until you're you know you're at the point of all right i'm 85 percent of the way done i've got this hooked up for you you know your network there or your network drive is online your printer's online this is online and you go i want you to start testing it it's you know three o'clock right now you know let's say theoretically say we started at nine o'clock in the morning on a friday and i'm just you know being very loose with these numbers but then they go all right, it's 305, and where, Clyde, where's this at? Where's this at? And you're like, well, I've never heard of that. What are you talking about? That's why I like to do it on a Friday at that time. <laughs> because Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I can't stand doing things in the middle of the week. Um, you know, unless you have to. I understand fans right. and hard drives go out and need to get operational. And the customer, you know, the end business user has to take that with a grain of salt, too, and say, hey, you know, look, this went down. Hey, everybody else in the office, you know, you're going to be without your accounting software for a while or your point of sale software uh, in the case of another customer. They always call me at 11 o'clock and say, hey, over your lunch hour, we want you to swing by and and fix this. We've got a virus on our <laughs> server or malware because <laughs> the main server in the office is right. somebody's desktop. You know, well, guess what? If I go in and have to remove this and boot into safe mode and I'm there for an hour, hour and a half, two hours trying to clean all of this up so they're back operational, nobody's mm-hmm. accessing anything. And they run a front-end store at this business. So when somebody comes in to buy something and that machine's down, their point-of-sale software no longer works, uh, which means I can't just hop on there and type up you know, a receipt or get a bill real quick and print it out and say, here's your bill, cut me a check and sign this. They can't do that now. And now they're having to handwrite receipts on paper, and they're not happy. But, you know, you have to understand that, you know, things happen. Things go down. Maybe if they had upgraded their hardware a few <laughs> years ago before their current hardware got to this degraded state, you know, uh, they wouldn't be in this situation. I mean, it's good for businesses to have an upgrade plan in place. You know, uh, you know, they obviously ha- are on a budget as well for a lot of people, and can't just afford new equipment every three or four years. Uh, but that's what they should plan for and then start budgeting out that money. Um, I know a lot of the theory in small businesses and even in large enterprises is we're going to stretch these machines as long <laughs> as we can make them run. And that's just not a good way of doing business because then hardware starts failing and everything comes in threes, and it's a domino it's, effect. It's just going to cost more you know, money. Yeah. Somebody calls and says, we had a hard drive go out in, a, in, in so-and-so's desktop in their office. And then you show up to replace that hard drive, and somebody else walks in and goes, you know, hey, my screen went out, and the girl next to me can't print anymore. And then you go look at the printer, and the printer's off. You know, it just killed itself and won't turn back on. And, you know, maybe they should have had an upgrade plan in place instead of running this eight, nine-year-old hardware should have replaced it four years ago, and they wouldn't right. be in this position. And it's just going though. to cost the customer. Um, they're gonna, right, and they're gonna have to spend the money now to move to all new equipment mm-hmm. on shorter notice. You know, anyways, and now they've got right. downtime involved. Where guess what? You can't print anything until we get a new printer in here. So, it's great to have an upgrade plan for your business as well. Right. Well, <laughs> and on top of that, you know, hot switch over versus cold switch over. I'm going to go as far as say there's a reason why I wouldn't think you couldn't do a hot switch over, have both servers running at the same time for a while. I mean, the only thing that would limiting that is either one, you can't plug the server into power, or two, you can't plug the server into a switch. And if and if it's the switch part, 
you know, the router switch that you need to, look at that too. Um, go spend the extra hundred bucks on it because if you're missing that port, eventually you're going to want more, you're going to want extra ports for the network anyways. I mean, it's going to happen eventually. You just need it. You're going to want it. I mean, maybe eventually you just want to use that cold server or that other server or that, that the other server that you're, the older server, I'll say, and maybe that will be used for housing some on-site backups. I don't know. Maybe you still want that plugged into the network and that could be used for something else. Well, and for a lot of people, that old machine goes to somebody's daughter in the office that's 12 years old and needs their own computer in the well, room it, now at home. It does, but more you often, more, nowadays, I think they're mostly going towards, ta- towards tablets, so they don't want those. They're not giving those away like they used to. <laughs> right. Five years ago, yes, that's you know that's always what it used to be like. Well, does this person need a server or need a computer? Does this person? And now, you know, tablets are cheap. Cheap. But you know, I want to step. Right. I want to identify. I want to step on or talk on something too that you identified on earlier in this podcast. But you're talking about the infrastructure and servers and what's important. Um, what you know, one thing I've seen, and this is probably six years ago now when I was doing that full time for for smaller customers, and I would hear it all the time. Um, get called into a place, and they would say, "Well, in the last." couple of years we our system has just slowed down and we want you to take care of it is basically what it is and then you go look and you start investigating you find out that server is you know six years old or whatever and then you go further and you identify the cables and just what it's plugging into and that's when you find out that it's that it's an older router um five six years ago it was still pretty common to see not even completely full 100 meg routers and some of those older businesses and you know you'd sit there and you'd say well we have to replace the server we have to replace this this the router and it goes hand in hand i mean and i guess i'm just saying that because a lot of places will say well it's just slow well okay if you replace that router that's great that 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 piece of equipment is fast but that server can only do so much work and if you do it the opposite way Okay, that server is getting all that data onto the network card and onto the wire, but then it's just chunking up at the router. So this is the reason why you want to get into an upgrade plan. I mean, so things don't go out, but so things don't go start slowing down on you as well. Or you just get to the point of me coming in and say, this all has to go. That's the only thing I want to relay. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, upgrades can be a tricky thing, but dealt with properly and with planning and scheduling they don't have to be as big as a headache as as a lot of businesses fear Um, and for large enterprise it becomes more of a routine thing Uh, anyways you know they know that every quarter they have to do patching and then every you know three years is the SOP for the business to replace hardware or five Mm -hmm. years or whatever it may be set at Um, I know in the agency that I work for uh, every three years, we cycle hardware. Um, mostly because the money's there and the budget is there. Um, and with the advances they make on a day-to-day basis anymore, y- with everything, mm-hmm. uh, you know, why not? A lot of people are moving to tablets and stuff for work anyways, actually. Um, we've got a division of our agency that is not never in the office, and they're always out in the field. Um, and they bring... 
you know, their laptop with them and these little portable printers and all of this junk. And now they're just running a tablet. And they go out in the field and they mark their GPS locations and they're taking pictures and they're typing up their notes and they save it to that. They come back to the office, dock the tablet, and, you know, it just uploads everything for them. And now they don't got to bring all that out there too. So that's just one more aspect of upgrading too that something you can look at is, you know, when you upgrade, do you just keep upgrading the existing infrastructure or do you want to sit down now and look at, you know, what's new out there that can mm-hmm. replace this that's different? You know, is there something better out there that's maybe cheaper, maybe a little more expensive, uh, but will do the same job but differently and easier for us? You know, when you upgrade that, that desktop workstation server, what, whatever you call it, in that small business office... You know, everything that's on there is flat file storage. They can spend $2,000 on the piece of equipment or $1,000 maybe even. Or do you look at going online and starting to do, you know, Amazon runs, you know, all their new small business services, um, you know, in the cloud. Uh, that They could probably store everything in and just point to that. Uh, like we mentioned in a previous podcast, then you get into internet outages you know, if there's a fiber cut in the neighborhood, now they can't get to anything because it's not local anymore. You know, it's better to have on-prem hardware sometimes than it is to put things out there on the Internet. Um, mm-hmm. But it's an option. Um, you know, and in terms of an upgrade, you know, it could save them time and money too. Uh, in the long run, you know, they'll end up paying, a, you know, a yearly fee or monthly or whatever they want. But, um there's different options out there now than there used to be. There used to be just you had laptops, desktops, and servers. And now there's so much more new things you know, out there, so many more new uh, devices to look at that could possibly be good for your business and save you time and money. Um, so when you start your upgrade process, that's something you want to look at too. You know, the last thing else I want to step back on is, uh, you know, when you do your upgrades, I understand, and we both do the uh, understand the small customer can't do the uh they don't have as many resources as the as the the, uh, bigger companies do but the one thing to keep in mind is when you start these upgrades um i was just talking about this with a possible another possible employer earlier this week but for the bigger places where you have to give it a few dry runs and this is probably even just an upgrade of you know, th- these upgrades even pertain to, uh, you know, let's say you are going from flat files to a SQL Server instance. Um, the way you want to do that is, however you do it in your non-prod test environment, you want to do that the same way in your production environment. Um, and more often than not, that's probably the failure that I have seen um, where people have run into problems because they do it one way in non-prod, and then they change one small variable when they do it live or go in their production environment. And all of a sudden they're wondering, well, why is this happening now that we didn't have this problem before? Well, you can't really say that because you're doing this, you're doing this for the first time now because you decided to change the variables. And that can be the network or the server or just a however you do it. But however you do it, you know, from non-prod to your production environment, or your test environment, I should say, to your production environment, make sure that you do it the same way. And that's that's probably the last thing that I have. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. I think we covered upgrades. Uh, hopefully. I mean, if anybody's got any questions or comments, uh, feel free to, to put them up on the blog, uh, thebitecast.wordpress.com. Uh, we'll be posting up the uh, audio along with probably some articles that we can find, too, about uh, various things about upgrades and what they can do for your business. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, and everyone. I'll see you next week. Boom. <laughs>